Hello, and welcome to Workforces 3.0, a mini-series by Worksum, where we'll talk about the future of talent and workforce strategy. I'm super excited. Of today, I get to chat with contingent workforce expert and all-around great guy, Mickey Pelletier. He has spent the last 15 years in the contingent workforce management space, running and owning programs, most recently at Meta, and prior to that at Zillow and Accenture. Welcome, Mickey. Hey, how you doing? Uh, nice to be Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, so let's dive in. Tell me um, about your experience in the contingent workspace, building and managing programs, both at Meta and for that Zillow, um, or any of your other uh, companies as well. Like, how are you working with um, talent strategy? Yeah, so at Meta, I was the um, contingent workforce strategy and, and portfolio management uh, management lead there. So. Um, helping to develop that strategy. What do we want to be when we grow up? Where are we taking the program? Um, they were moving into a third generation of a program. So how do we uh, improve on you know, the legacy work that's already been done? Um, and then not only building that strategy pie in the sky, of, hey, here's what we want to do, but actually uh, developing and executing on programs, uh, working with a slew of portfolio managers and project managers to execute on those projects to improve um, you know, the, the life cycle and the various things that they have there. Obviously, they have a, a very large program. Um, and while I was at Zillow, was actually the program owner there. Uh, so inherited a, a program there, um, building on uh, what had been done and trying to take that to the next level, you know, developing uh, solid governance, um, working on, you know, how do we improve our technology? How do we build... Uh, on our MSP, what other solutions are there? Is there some direct sourcing out there? Should we be looking at freelance management software uh, services? How do we uh, get our statement of work workers integrated in there? So really from a talent strategy, uh, trying to get that, that total visibility, you know, who, what, where, why, when, at what cost. Um, to me, that's one of the most pivotal things um, uh, organizations can be doing these days is, is to arm themselves with that visibility of their workforce. Um, a lot of that is there on the FTE side, right? But when it comes to non-employees, all our extended workforce, contingent workforce, whatever the uh, terminology of the week is, you know, that isn't always there. Some companies are, are better than others about that. Um, but as the you know industry continues to grow, that that seems to be the big uh, the big thing right now that a lot of companies are targeting. Yeah, that that makes sense. And what do you think are the biggest opportunities in the space to kind of get this right and innovate um, and start taking that workforce strategy to the next level? Yeah, I mean, I, I think organizations at a you know higher up the food chain leadership level need to have an appetite and a readiness for this uh, to. Uh, I basically, I don't want to say take their programs seriously, but, you know, arm their program, their contingent workforce programs with the, the expertise, the bandwidth and the wherewithal to uh, do the right things uh, to get the, to allow them to get that total visibility and to make your know, key decisions. Um, factoring in, you know, contingent workforce to the talent acquisition and headcount planning cycle every year. You know, we're, we see so many layoffs, um, particularly in the tech space over the past several months. Um, I personally feel that if, if companies had been leveraging their contingent workforce um, more adequately, 
the layoffs wouldn't have been as as robust and if they would have scaled more effectively yeah i think things could be a little bit differently uh maybe that's just the the optimist in me and, and my love for uh contingent workforce but i honestly believe things could be could be different and, and less people could be out of jobs um so yeah i, I to me I, I think getting that total visibility is is the big piece but then we're seeing a lot of new up and coming systems, uh, direct sourcing and freelance management are, are the big new kids on the block. Um, you know, direct sourcing to me, isn't necessarily a new thing. It's, it's really existed for a while. It's just a twist on, uh, things that have been done in the past. Um, and, in in a new way of you know, getting talent to, you know, the hiring managers, uh, of, of the world. Um, but how do we get all that integrated? You know, the the MSP, the VMS, that's legacy. That's been around for a while, um, and it's it's evolved, um, even in, in the 15 going on 16 years that I've been a part of that. But now we're seeing this direct sourcing and curation of talent. And then you have freelance management services, the FMS side. Uh, the one thing that's really lacking is is how do we get that all in one space? How do we get that total visibility? Um, I don't think the VMS or the MSP is going away. I think it needs to make way, though, for the freelance management systems. Um, and there needs to be a way to get all of that together because, right, as of now, not all the FMS play nice with the VMS and the MSP. Um, and, and and so that, I think, hinders buyers in getting that total visibility. I think the ability to quickly go get uh, a freelancer and have them start tomorrow and have them start doing the work is so awesome. That's what we need. Because as an engagement hiring manager, at the end of the day, I don't care what your classification is. I don't care if you're a contractor, SOW, IC. All I care is that I have work that needs to be done. I need it done three weeks ago. So how do we get that going? How do I find the right talent? Um, so to me, the visibility and the integration of the various uh, buying channels, to me, that's really, I, I think, um, where we're going. And and I I. I'm passionate about this, so I think I probably missed the question you originally intended. I'm down, I'm down my own path right now, but I'm, I'm going to go with it, and that's those are my personal feelings. <laughs> no, that was um, yeah, I think all of that is like super interesting and fair, and you know, it's a, it's such a complex space uh, for companies to navigate at the moment, and you know, you spoke to the need to you know hire faster and be able to bring on these freelancers, you know, tomorrow, um. What do you see or have you seen or even uh, worked on yourself in terms of innovative processes that actually allow that to be possible? Because we know with, you know, the VMS or the MSP, like it often becomes a blocker. Um, so, yeah, have you have you had any experience with that in terms of, um, you know, faster time to hire, better experience for the person coming in as well? Yeah, I mean, I personally think that I, I think it's it is the way of the future. My my curiosity is really around compliance. Um, and you know, we have you brought this freelancer on. Okay, are they going to have access to you know the organization system? Or are they going to be on site? Are they going to have access to any privacy data? That type of stuff. Um, you know, that compliance I think is you know the main piece that concerns me. How how do we know that you know they have access to the right stuff? You know, perhaps they're just going and writing a blog article for you. That's fine. You know, that's there. There's no no concern there, um, and I think that is, you know, a channel right now where the you know, the freelance management is the way to go. But where they're actually touching, you know, your data or your systems or coming on site, you know, I think that's where the compliance piece 
I don't, I don't honestly know yet how well the, the freelance management uh, FMS manages that. We know how that's done, you know, onboarding you through the MSPs and the VMS, and perhaps it works just as well. Um, I've yet to see that done in, in a great way, but I, I know it's being done. Just have not had a you know, personal experience with that. I've had um, you know the opportunity to, to see how it can be done, but have not uh, seen it fully integrated and working yet. But I think it is the way to go, and it has a place, um, you know, hand in hand with the rest of the other channels that are, you know currently in use. Yeah, you're right. Compliance and classification are such an important part of the the experience for a worker and also can often be a barrier. So getting that right, I think is so important um, for businesses, both in the U S UK, but you know, yeah. even globally, it's, um, it's just getting. <laughs> yeah. One other, one other piece I want to say, sorry to interject, which is that, you know, all the compliance in the world could be there, but often, you know, with that risk of co-employment, it comes down to the treatment from the company themselves. How are they treating those workers? You know, if they're an independent contractor, well, hey, you should be pretty hands off with them. You should say, hey, we need X, Y, Z by such and such date. Maybe be able to give a little bit of uh, feedback every once in a while. But if you start blurring the lines, interacting, working with them day in and day out, working hand in hand, well, are they really an independent contractor? I don't think a lot of buyers know that and enforce that. Um, and perhaps that's okay um, and nothing comes of it, but one day, you know, it's not, and there's going to be tax implications and co-employment implications. And suddenly, you know, that's going to be, you know, cause a little bit more of an uproar. Hey, maybe it'll never be there, but you know, that that's my concern as a buyer. Uh, that would be my concern as, as a buyer. You're know, leveraging all that is, is how are we actually treating these workers, you know, within the realms of their classification and then how we actually engage them. Yeah, I think that's such a valuable point. Um, you know, I think something we're talking and seeing a lot is the importance of being able to retain these employees. So being able to hire them again, have a second, third, fourth engagement with a really, you know, strong freelancer or contractor and being able to build that network and that talent pool um, so that you do have better, quicker access to these people and, and bringing them on. Um, so just to, to tap in a little bit to your experience in like the media and tech side, when you were, um, you know, at Meta, for example, one of the biggest, uh, both media and tech companies out there, um, what role did you see the external workforce having? Um, and like, what role do you think it will play there in the future? Um, just given, you know, the current market and the also growing freelancer and contractor workforce in, in both the U.S. and globally. Yeah, I think that, it's only going to continue to grow. It's a, it's a great way to access niche talent uh, quickly, uh, effectively, and, and hopefully compliantly. I think that's going to continue to grow. Uh, but the niche skill set, I think, is 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 the one that you know really helps continue workforce stand out. There are so many channels for engaging talent. There are so many suppliers, vendors, uh, talent procurements, talent curation places out there that. You know, they could find you that software developer in, you know, middle of nowhere, Montana that you didn't know about. And with the, um, you know, I think continued uh, engagement of remote work, I think that opens things up. So in the tech and media space, yeah, it's, I think, going to continue to be, uh, you know, a powerhouse of, of access when it comes to, you know, that type of talent. Um, only because I think you could access those diverse talent pools um, and, and remote locations, but 
there's just there's so many channels so your availability of talent i think is there to get those niche skill sets and then as far as engagement and, and retainment i think that's a, a brilliant thing once you've worked with somebody and you know they're great but they're a freelancer hey we could bring them back and you know and you know what they're they're doing you know their work you trust it um they're not your employee but they're your partner and they can provide you awesome work and you know when you know, to bring them back and you can quickly do that. Um, I think that's only going to get better as we figure out how to integrate this all together and we understand, you know, these various buying channels, but how they tie into one, you know, I won't say a talent pool, but it's essentially just one massive talent pool with lots of avenues to get into it. Yeah, that's a... Um... I think what, yeah, is on the mind of a lot of people at the moment, um, how to have that agile workforce layer. Um, and you've been in this space for a really long time, I think it's safe to say. Um, is there anything innovative you've seen recently that you're super excited about, um, kind of excited to see where it goes and have been maybe waiting for? Yeah, I think the... You know, when I started out, you know, the MSP was, was fairly new. Um, you know, the idea of a VMS fairly new, you know, mid, mid two thousands, right. I mean, staffing itself has been around for over, over 50 years. You, know, you think back to the you know antiquated times of, of the Kelly girl, right. You know, probably a term I, I shouldn't say out to the masses here, but it, it's, it's what it was way back in the day and temp staffing. And, and then, you know, the advent of the MSP and the VMS, it's, it's really come a long way. Uh, now the big focus is, you know, all, all the digitized um, you know, access to talent, uh, and then the statement of work, all, all those vendor workers and getting that spend under management and making sure we have that visibility. Um, and then independent contractors have been around for a while and this idea of freelancers. Now we have entire marketplaces where, you know, anybody, I'll pick on Montana, middle of Montana developer, you know, he could go work for, you know, uh, a development, you know, a tech company out in Budapest and work wherever he wants. He could fly down and work on the beach if he wants. And that's that remote work and that ability to work flexibly um, is huge. I, I think the, the biggest thing for me is just all the systems that are out there and these talent pools. That's really cool. Um, you know, 15 years ago, 16 years ago, I didn't know that existed. How 16 years ago, I didn't know what contingent workforce was. I was lucky to land a job. And uh, six months into it, a light clicked on. I was like, oh, contingent workforce. Now this makes sense. And and, he, and here we are now. But um, yeah, to, to me, I, I think the, the freelance management, the talent pools, uh, all of those systems are, are really exciting. But then, and I'm repeating myself, how that all integrates together. So uh, buyers have you know, multi-channels, but then they really just have one front door to get everything they need. To me, that's the future. Yeah, that integration piece and just making sure every process is is checking the right box. And for freelancers, that we're not just you know throwing them in with vendors and treating them you know like resources instead of people. I think it's uh, yeah, something we we need to focus on, and companies really need to take stock of this year as they're going to grow their external workforces, um, or at least that's what all the data is saying. Um, but I just wanted to ask. So yeah, you mentioned at the beginning of your career when you reflect back on that time, um, what have you learned, and like what advice would you give someone today who's for the first time maybe building out one of these programs, you know, a contingent workforce program, um, in in a company like Meta or um, you know, another, another tech company, 
Yeah, it's, it's to me, I mean, I think if you're building out a program from scratch, you know, a design thinking perspective, really having the end user experience in mind, um, you know, CSAT scores of, of the MSP, VMS uh, experience are, are typically notoriously not great. Um, and I think part of the reason is users, majority of users use the system one, two times a year. Uh, and, and you tend to forget when you only do something one or two times a year. So being able to make the process as simple and as pain-free as, as possible, um, to me, the end user experience is, is the most one of the most important, um, but then also change management, making sure that the training um, and the education is there. You know, most people in the world don't understand what contingent workforce is, even in, in, in you know, any type of professional service. It's, it's hard to understand what it is. People don't care the difference between a vendor, contractor, IC, freelancer, all that. Um, so being able to give them an explanation and understanding, um, I, I think is, is one of the key thing, uh, as well on, on top of the, you know, end user experience, but, um, really knowing like what's, what is important to your end users, what, what do they really need? And what are those pain points? Not just throwing, you know, a system or a process at the wall, seeing what sticks, but, um, you know, hearing from. Uh, the people that are going to use this, what is it they want and how do they want it to work? Uh, and how are you going to get there and being able to articulate that to them? Yeah, that's, that's super, um, that's super important. How, how would you like go about doing that if you were, uh, doing that today or, or help today? Right. Now that I'm, yeah, now, now, now that I'm, you know, looking for my next big role and, and doing some uh, freelancing myself, you know, if, if I was pulled in right now, they said, Mickey, build us a program. You know, a lot of it, there's no like one perfect program out there. You know, a lot of it is, okay, what are you doing right now? What has worked? What have I seen work elsewhere, you know, in a comparable company or comparable, um, comparable setup, you know, cause you need to get your footing. You need to get stock of who are your contingent workers that you have right now. What are your classifications? What's your risk appetite? Maybe you don't even want to deal with ICs because you know, you're you're concerned about the uh, the risk tolerance. Um, you know, I, I think there there's no perfect program out there. Uh, and you have to start small with baby steps, getting stock of where you're at and then building, you know, you get your temp staff underspend, you get your SOW underspend, you know, maybe along the way you're looking at direct sourcing. Do you have an appetite for, for freelance management services? Maybe in the beginning, that's how you are getting, maybe you need to start with that because that is where you are. That's what you're currently using. And that's, that's your big thing right now. Um, I think I think it's all about baby steps. I've made the mistake in the past of let's do it all. Let's just get it all under there, and that's that's too much. Companies aren't ready for that level of change. They have a tough time understanding what a, a temporary contractor even is. So trying to understand the nuance of that versus you know a freelancer uh, and and throw all of that into the mix is going to be a little bit scary. So I mean I would I would I would take it slow understand the appetite and, and, and try to figure out what's best for that client and, and their situation. Cause there's you know, several different ways to go and, and a lot of great options, but what's best for you. Yeah, that's, that's, um, that's all really fair. And, and when, uh, people say they like maybe would prefer not to work with independent contractors at all, or, 
independent workers at all. What do you think the risk is there? Is it there, um, you know, a risk of maybe limiting your talent pool and your uh, access to, to top talent and skill sets, uh, given yeah. just like the direct going? Yeah, I think there's uh, still in the antiquated fear of co-employment and, and the risk there of, is this person really an independent contractor? But I think, you know, there's uh, ability for education there uh, that, hey, it's co-employment isn't this scary thing. You know, there, there's, there's, there's joint employment. That's okay. That's natural. That's part of the process. There's some boundaries that can be set to minimize that risk. Um you know, and then with independent contractors, there's uh, IC compliance partners out there that can support you and, uh, you know, indemnify you and, and take on a lot of the risk and, and, and make sure and hold your hand along the way that everything's going to be okay. But your legal team has, and your employment law team has to be okay with that. And some companies are not, they do, they're risk adverse and they don't even want to do that. And that's okay. They have to know that about themselves and that appetite. And maybe down the road, you know, after the you know, case study, after case study comes out that, Hey, it's not this big, scary thing. Uh, then it could come on. But I think at the same time, being able to educate them along the way is really the, the main thing. Um, I don't think anybody's scared of talent pools or anything. I, I think anybody, um, you should be open to the idea of talent pools. Um, I think that companies in the past, uh, they want to limit the talent pools. They want to limit. So, hey, this position isn't going out to 50 suppliers. It's going out to you know, seven key suppliers or 10 key suppliers, you know, tried and tested partners that have worked. Um, I think the fear with talent pools is that it is maybe reverting back, that it is opening up the gates to, you know, too many candidates uh, and, and too much talent coming into the mix, and that's going to be overwhelming for the hiring manager. Well, then again, you have your curation services. Hey, yeah, we had 100 people apply, but Mr. Manager, these are the top three that we've already vetted for you that we think are going to knock it out of the park for you. There's all these things in play out there, so I think it's a matter of, you know, education and understanding and and you know, giving people the warm and fuzzies that this is going to be okay. And this is a great way to get you talents. Uh, we'll just have, have to have an open mind and, and perhaps the way we've been doing things in the past, it still works, but Hey, there may be other ways that may be faster more cost effective and, and get us what we need. Yeah. I love that point you made. It's, it's, it's really about, yeah, finding the talent and having that, um, you know, smaller pool of talent that, you know, you can rely on. And I think that's, again, just to tie this back to the retention point, it's so important for companies to figure out how they can retain their talents um, so that they can, you know, quickly hire someone uh, that they know that maybe a colleague has worked with or they've even worked with themselves before. Um, and I think that's going to be a common trend this year. I don't know about you, but um, do you think that companies, you know, who aren't thinking this way, uh, have any, you know, uh, risks they might face or, uh, challenges they might face. Yeah. I mean, everyone wants to, I don't want to say everyone wants to be on the leading edge. They think they want to be on the leading edge, but are they willing to make that, that leap? Um, I mean, I just think there's, you could miss out on talent. Um, I mean that that's the, you know, I, I think the worry is, is, are we going to find the right people? Are these positions going to, going to sit open or, and is, is the talent that we find going to be the, the best for this role? 
Because um, if you're not finding it through your existing channels, well, then, you know, that's a different conversation. If you're meeting your needs and, and getting everything you need, perhaps you don't need another system involved and you're getting what you need. But um, what do your end users think? What What are your KPIs and SLAs? Are you hitting things in a timely fashion? Is there opportunity for cost savings? Uh, if all of that's good and fine and dandy and you're not just being complacent because you want to avoid change, then okay, great. You're in a good space. You're ahead of the game. But these new things are coming out for a reason because people aren't finding what they need in a timely compliance and cost savings, cost effective way. Um, so I, I think there's possibly the fear of missing out, but then you know there's just the fear of change. I, I think is 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 one one of the big things uh, personally and then professionally. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's um. It's really about, yeah, that complacency and maybe fear of change, but um, obviously it's needed if all of these new innovative solutions are popping up. And uh, I think the, the vast majority of people want to innovate. It's just um, helping them, you know, figure out how to do that. So I think you've uh, you've provided a lot of amazing insight. Um, we have to wrap up here in a moment, but just one kind of final uh, question on the industry is... Um, like just about predictions for the future. Like, what do you think uh, the newest innovation will be, you know, in the next few years in the space? Or, or what do you think it should be at least? Like what should companies be doing uh, to improve this process? Like you say, for the end user, for the external workers themselves as well. And then, you know, to have big impact on companies um, from a yeah, change management perspective. Yeah. To me, I, I think the... To, to me, if, if I if I could if I had the coding and skills and, and all the money in the world, um, you know, for the buyer, just one front door solution, I have a need. I don't I don't care where where that comes from. Um, it, maybe I need to talk about that need and how I'm going to use this worker, and then that routes me to, hey, you need an FTE, you need an IC, you need a freelancer. But everything is on the back end. They don't really have to deal with multiple systems. They deal with one system, and so one. One place that allows them to you know, source through the multi-channels and then a concierge service on the back end that handles 90% of the process for them. All the manager really has to decide is, hey, we'd like to speak with this person or we want to interview. Um, you know, very simplistic, few-click decisions. Um, you know, if they want to be more hands-on, they can. A lot of this exists. That's what the VMS, that's what the MSP is for. But with so many systems, so many channels of buying out there, it's becoming more complex. And for the end user, they want it to be simple. So that just that one, one stop shop for all of your talent needs, regardless of classification or whatever. So to me, that that's where it's at. Um, the, the market is becoming saturated with a lot of systems right now. Um, which one is right for you? It's tough for the buyers to decide that when they go to implement. Uh, so to, to get to that goal, it's a lot of decision-making. Um, the other piece I think is having the leadership representation from both procurement, HR, and legal, uh, and even IT to make effective decisions with their contingent workforce. We can't rely on FTEs uh, anymore. The freelance contingent market is just so wide open right now and and, and ready, and people want to do work on their terms. Um, key leadership decision, uh, key decision makers from leadership within companies need to, to to get on board with that um 
and, and, and figure out a way to make that work for them so that they can stay ahead of the curve and make sure they're getting you know the right talent, right time, right, right price, as everyone in the, in the industry says. Uh, those are the two key things that I really will look for for the next couple of years. But um, I mean, I think if it was that easy, everyone would be doing it. Uh, it takes a lot of time to get there. Yeah, well, hopefully we will see, yeah, some of that happen maybe this year, maybe next year. Um, so I just, I would love to just end by uh, just changing the topic a little bit so we can all get to know you. Um, sure. So when you're not talking about work, what do you like to talk about? Um, well, uh, the wife and kids always always come to mind. Those are big players in my life uh, every day. Um, you know, personally, if I'm, I'm not... Uh, hanging out with them, playing with them, uh, maybe playing some music. Uh, I like writing, recording music. I see a guitar in the background, a whole other uh, music studio around me when I'm able to make time for that. That's uh, another passion of mine. I don't know how it ties into contingent workforce, but uh, maybe I'll, I'll freelance uh, record music one day. We'll see. Oh, that's amazing. Um, so you play the guitar. Do you play any other instruments? Uh, drums, piano, bass, uh, dabble in it all. It's, it's not great, but, but I have fun doing it. Oh, I love that. Like a one man band. Um, and what are your favorite genres or, or artists? Um, uh, I love Dave Matthews band, uh, tragically hip, um, all, all sorts of good music. I, I dating myself as a, as a nineties and, and early two thousands kid, huh? Um, but yeah, uh, lo love music, love going to live music, uh, really like it all, and, and glad that uh, the pandemic's uh, in a spot now where we can go see some live music. Maybe we'll uh, take the kids to Dave Matthews Band concert one day when they're old enough and they're ready. <laughs> yeah, I remember I remember Dave Matthews Band as well. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, well, I, I agree. I'm so glad uh, that gigs and concerts are back and we can all uh, enjoy that. Um, but thank you so much for, for joining me today. Um, and just tell our listeners where they can get in touch with you if they uh, yeah, have any other questions about either music or contingent workforce. Uh, where can they find you? Um, is on LinkedIn or anywhere else? Yeah, I'm on I'm on LinkedIn. I'm looking for my next big opportunity. And in the meantime, doing new contingent workforce consulting and advisory work. So happy to help out. Um, I'm listed as Michael Pelletier on LinkedIn. Uh, you could always email me directly at Mick, M-I-C-K, Pellet, P-E-L-L-E-T-3, gmail.com, and would uh, be happy to work with you and, and talk to you on all things contingent workforce. Amazing. Well, thank you, Mickey. It's been uh, really a pleasure to speak with you today. Yeah, thank you so much for, for having me. This is great. And uh, yeah, thank you so much.